we're back. Good morning again. Well, this is not one of the Dave, the three Daves. So, as you might tell, so this, but this is this is Mike two, <laughs> and his son is actually called is Mike three, and that's why they call him Trip because he's the third, and it's the triple part of it. A neat piece of information. I like that. So, uh, let me just briefly tell you this is. Mike Schmitty, Schmitz, and he goes by Schmitty. Um, he is, he's uh, been in the past, he's, he's done uh, church with Harvest Church, with their youth pastors, ch children's church pastors, and so forth. And right now he's working on his uh, Masters in Divinity. So that's really, that's a, that's a neat accomplishment. Um, Dave and he met uh, at, uh, not Dakota, but uh, Mural City. Mural yeah. City yeah, yeah. Uh, coffee. And apparently that's what it takes to be able to preach here. You've got to drink coffee with Dave, you know? You just have to have good taste that's in right. coffee. Have, that's and, what and it good is. Good taste yeah. in coffee, no It's less. liquid Holy Spirit. We all know that. That's, that's right. right. That's right. So I was headed to McDonald's to check out. No. <laughs> so, but anyway, we're grateful. And he's here to talk about uh, missions today, church on missions and so forth. So we're, we're real grateful and thankful that he's willing to step up and stand in for, for Dave while they're celebrating Andrew and, and uh, uh, Jamie Sharp up in, up in South Carolina at the New Hope Church. So I'm going to leave it with you. Thank you so Good. much, boss. Thanks. And thank you guys so much for allowing me to be here to annoy you guys today. I'm going to have a lot of fun, and I wish I had such a low, growly voice like this boss over here right now. If I talked like this the entire time, I'm pretty sure I would get everyone's attention. But that's not my natural voice. So just a little bit more, a little bit about me. Um, yes, my name is Schmitty. Uh, I've been a children's pastor for 10 years, and then after that, I was an assistant pastor and associate pastor where my job was to be able to go in and help executive pastors to be able just to look at systems, make things better. I was also a young adult pastor. I'm working on my master's of theology. Um, I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. It's basically what I feel like. Um, but in that process, um, my, my small groups pastor at the church that I was working with was a very good friend of Dave, and he introduced us at Mural City because that's basically the secondary office for all pastors. If you didn't know, coffee shops all over the place, you'll always see a pastor there. So Dave and I started talking, uh, and it's just really cool the connections that we were able to make. Uh, but he is not here today, which means we get to have a little bit of fun, right? So just a couple of things. First off, I was told to call him Most High Reverend. Is that right? Um, I'm probably not going to do that. Dave or Pastor Dave is going to be fine. Uh, I want you to know he's a wonderful leader. But because he's not here, I want to mess with him just a little bit. So the way that I want to do things is next Sunday when he's here, I want everyone to go up to him and be like, Dave, what's wrong with you? Why did you bring this guy named Schmitty on stage? Like, what, what happened with that? And if you truly believe that, then you don't have to lie about it. But for the rest of us here, we're able to just go, and we just want him to just have a little bit of anxiety next time that he leaves as he's honoring another part, another branch of the body of Christ with the Sharps. Which, by the way, that is an amazing story. That is what we are supposed to do as the body of Christ, be able to multiply um, two things that I was just thinking about, just sitting here in worship and listening to the announcements. Uh, one of them was about the Sharps and how awesome it is that we are able to go, and wherever we go, we get to represent Christ well to the point that God is able to multiply through us, right? That we are not just one body here. We are part of a bigger body, and be able to see that body grow is amazing, just like what it says in Ephesians 4, which I have a strong feeling you guys have covered that in the past month or so. 
Um, so that's one thing. Another thing, I do want to be able to also add on to the idea of just the unity side of this. One of my mentors uh, would say all the time, know your platoon inside of the church. If we are advancing the kingdom and their spiritual warfare, who is fighting right beside you at all times? And that's what two of the reasons, or that's one of the reasons why both community groups uh, as well as our grace teams are super important. And that's right, Dave, I plugged them both for you, just for you, boss. Uh, actually, you'll be able to hear some more about that just a little bit more. Um, but I'm going to tell you, Pastor Dave is such a great man and great leader, and I've been able to talk to him about a lot of different things. And every single time that I walk away from sitting there and us drinking our really fancy coffee that's probably more expensive than it probably should be, um, when I walk away from that, I always have my mind blown by his wisdom and his discernment. You can tell that he has like a, a, an a apostle gift given to him, that he's able to see the strategies of the kingdom and be able to implement here at DCF. And the proof is in the pudding. The proof is with you guys as well. Um, as an outsider, I have a unique perspective, right? I'm able to see things differently because I'm not always in the weeds with you guys. But one of the things I'm able to see is how mature you are as part of the body of Christ. Uh, I know that you guys just recently went through three weeks of talking about spiritual gifts, ways to implement them, and actually a, a deeper understanding. That doesn't happen all the time at every church, and that is such a cool thing that you're able to adhere to that. And I also know Tyler came in about two weeks ago to talk about being the church, not just going to the church. And I think that is an amazing message. It seems like everywhere I am looking at DCF and Dothan Christian Fellowship, it looks like God is preparing you for something great. And I want you to be ready for it. And I don't know what it is, right? This is just my observations. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit has told me that something great is about to happen. What I am seeing is the evidence of different ways that God is training you as part of the body of Christ to be an amazing part in an amazing church here in Dothan. Which is great because my message today is to kick you out of this church. Um, but before I get kicked off a of stage, I want to explain myself a little bit. And I think the best way to be able to describe it is uh, a personal story with me when I was a children's pastor about six years ago. Uh, I was working over in a church in Baldwin County over in the southwest corner of Alabama uh, near Mobile. Uh, and we, there were so many cool things that were happening at this church that I was, that I was um, able to pastor at. We just hit 1,000 members. There were baptisms every single month. So many people were so interested in the teams that we were putting together as well. It was just a growing church, and it became kind of like known in our city. Uh, all the cool things that God was doing inside of um, the confines of our church that we had uh, and the church organization that we had. And we would go, like the pastoral staff, uh, most of us would be able to go over to this one uh, diner for lunch every Thursday, and we'd sit down, we'd have the same waitress, and we'd just, we, we were just so um, excited about everything that God was doing. And we would talk to different people about it, but it's more of like, hey, look at, look at what's happening over at X church, at our church that we were doing things at. One of the things that we were part of uh, as our church was we were part of a larger church and a larger network. And one thing that my network was able to do, and one thing my network still does, is we support, uh, I would say, over a dozen missionaries all throughout the world. And we'd like to bring them together once a year to be able to just feed into them, pour into them, literally feed them. Uh, in fact, one of the staples is we do like a craw boil because, you know, it's Alabama. Uh, and so, and a lot of people have never experienced that. So we put out like a giant picnic table, cover it with a cloth, and we just like dump crawfish and like sa like standard 
we call it frogmore stew over in my family, like uh, like corn on the cob, Koneka sausages, all these things. We just all eat together. It was super fun, right? Well, at one of those uh, missionary gatherings that we did, I met a gentleman named Chris, who is about the same age as me. He's probably one or two years older than me. And uh, he was a missionary alongside his family to Thailand. Now, I'll talk about somebody that's on fire for Christ. Like, he was somebody that when you spoke, you, you know, when he spoke, you knew he spoke with a mission. Uh, but when we got together and we started talking, what really got each other peaked in each other's, uh, like, interests and all that stuff really wasn't specifically the church. What happened was I was wearing a, I would say, a button-up, short sleeve Jurassic Park shirt to whatever I was doing. And he walked up to me and said, hey, man, I like that shirt. He was wearing a blue pineapple shirt. And I was like, hey, I like your shirt. How about we trade? And so what we did is we set up a time next week to be able to go to the same diner that I talked about that we meet every Thursday. We'd wash our, our shirts because otherwise that'd be gross. And then we would get together. I'd bring some of the staff, and we'd talk, and, you know, we would trade shirts there. So I was, I was sitting there at the diner with a couple of people on staff at the church that I was working at, and then Chris. And the waitress comes up and starts talking to us and just say, hey, can I get your order and all that stuff? And Chris just like with so much intensity, he looks at our waitress and just says, so tell me, what's going on in your life? Uh, what can I, how can I pray for you today? And it was before we even ta- like took any drink orders or anything. And she just was taking a, a step back and she was like, well, um, I'm about to be kicked out of my home. Um, I don't have enough money to be able to afford my mortgage, and I just don't know what to do. And he was like, well, what church do you go to? And she's like, well, I don't currently go to a church right now. And he said, do you know, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord? And he was just started talking about that too. And they just started having this full-on conversation, and over here we're waiting for our onion rings and our, our sweet teas. And he was just honestly evangelizing to this woman so strongly that when she went back to go get drinks, he was restless. And he said, you know what, guys, just sit here. I'm going to go off and do something. And he goes back into the kitchen of this diner, no permission or anything, and he goes and he prays with people and he talks to people about Jesus. And he comes back and he tells us three people in the back just prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And he was like, hey, so when's the next time you guys are going to do baptisms? Can you guys do it this upcoming week? And I'm like, um, well, there's a process. Uh, we, we do once a month. He was like, oh, well, that's going to take too long. I'm just going to take them over to, like, the kitchen sink, and I'm just going to, I'm going to baptize them there. And all this was happening. Like, the dude had no chill whatsoever. I was sitting there in the diner, and I promise you, I was so embarrassed. And not because of anything that he was doing, but because we were there every single week. And we didn't know anything about the same waitress, the same lady who came up and served us every single day. Didn't know about her house. Didn't know about what was happening with her and her life. Didn't know that she was kind of following Jesus. And we were pastors. We were on staff. And this is not to say that things were not happening over at the church that I was at. It was not to say that God wasn't doing things. I think what happened for me is that I was focusing in on what was happening at my church, that I got comfortable just with my church that I became blind to everything that was around me and the greater need that was happening outside of the four walls of the building that I was able to operate in as the church as well. Um, And this is my personal opinion. This is exactly what's happening with me. And I'm not saying that's happening over here at this church, uh, but I do feel like it's a good warning because there's so many cool things that are happening here at this church. It's easy to get comfortable. It's easy just to rest here and just 
imagine the presence of the Holy Spirit only in this room. But like what Tyler said two weeks ago, right? You are the church. We get to get out of this building. We get to be the church and represent uh, who Christ is all throughout the city. But those greater needs are really what I want to focus on. Uh, Jesus calls uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament, those greater needs multiple times as the harvest. And so what I want to do uh, is I want to get a little bit Bible nerdy with all of you guys today. I want to look at four different passages. And those four different passages, I want to focus on three different things. I want to talk about what it actually means to be sent into the harvest. Where is the harvest around me? And then also, what do we do when we're sent? Like, that's a big question mark. And that's a big application point. So I don't want to just stay up here in theology land. I really want to bring us down to where we can actually apply some of this to. But I want to be able to set some of that stuff up too. So let's start with looking at one of my favorite passages detailing this in Matthew 9. And in this passage before this, Jesus was doing his normal ministry um, all throughout chapter 9 of, of the book of Matthew. He was doing miracles. He was teaching kingdom principles. Before verse 32, which is going to be our focus for today, Jesus raised a girl from a dead. He healed a sick woman. He healed the blind. It says multiple times that he was going around and it was he, he was healing the sick, every sickness and every illness, like another Tuesday for Jesus, right? Um, at the same time, it was actually probably spanned out. It's just pretty condensed. But I think it's really interesting what happens at verse 32, and that's the reason why I want to focus on this first verse. And it starts in Matthew 9, 32, 38. Let me read it out to you. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was, uh, was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. I'm going to stop right there because I want to talk about that driven out thing. You see it's highlighted behind me. That's because that's a really awesome word in the original language. It's something that shows the power and might of Jesus. That word that, um, that is in the Greek, in the Koine Greek, it is the word ekbalo, he says in a southern accent and wrong pronunciation, but it's the word ekbalo. And that word doesn't just mean to like to throw out. It has so much force behind it. It is like you are forcefully driven out. You are forcefully cast out. You have no other option you are thrown out. And it's like, it reminds me of like, you remember the old Looney Tunes where it was like the Wild West scenes. There was a saloon and Daffy Duck would walk, you would see him walk into a saloon and all of a sudden you would see him like throw, thrown out just immediately and like his face would hit the, uh, the uh, dirt floor um, uh, just outside on the road. Uh, that's kind of what this is. Like he, there is no choice. You are thrown out, you are followed. And there's a reason why I'm bringing that up, because let's keep on going. As soon as the, the man who had been mute spoke, the crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this had ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisee said, it's by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. The reason why that's highlighted and the reason why that's so important for us to be able to look at is because Matthew wrote Jesus' words. Those words are the same words that he uses to, to show and demonstrate the casting out of demons. When Jesus was saying, ask God to send people out, he uses the word ekbalo as in to forcefully throw somebody into the harvest. 
And that's something that we don't normally think. We think sometimes, or I think sometimes, I should say, um, whenever I'm around, I just think like the harvest will come to me, right? But what Jesus was saying in this time is that there was such a huge demand. We can't wait. Ask God to throw you somewhere where there are people who need the gospel, who need the grace and love of Jesus, that they are able to see it and their lives can be changed forever. It reminds me of whenever I was, um, uh, I was a manager over at a cell phone store over in Panama City, and I remember the worst day I ever worked at that store was Black Friday, where it was um, so busy, there was lines that were going out through the parking lot stuff, and it started on Thursday night, on Thanksgiving night, and I was there for like almost 48 hours. Like, I'm pretty sure there was some violation to what I was doing. I really don't know, but I do know that there was such a high demand, I just couldn't leave. People wanted in, right? There, there was such a desire. In the same way here, probably even with, with much more intensity, Jesus is saying there are people without hope. There are people, there is a harvest that know they need something, and you have that something. And I believe when Jesus was saying this, I think some of the things that he was saying was that we have no time to get comfortable with where we are. Uh, Jesus emphasized there was a need, and he was sending us to that need. Like, have you ever felt like God has forcefully placed you somewhere? Someplace that you never thought you would go, Something that you just feel like, man, this is just all types of weird. This is all types of wonky. This is not where I want to be right, off the, right at the beginning. This is the thing. Where his presence is, is where he will send you. Where his presence is needed, he will send you. Remember that God won't send you anywhere you aren't needed and where you don't have a heart for the harvest. And we'll talk about that soon. That being said, I believe God will challenge us as laborers in the harvest. And when it comes to the whole word ekbalo, I think it's very interesting because the forcefully cast out reminds me of when I have to pick my child up and he's kicking and screaming as I put him into the crib or I'm taking him somewhere, right? It reminds me of how sometimes we react to God and some of the things he requests uh, at us. I think we can go kicking and screaming at our Lord or when he follows us, we can go kicking and screaming at the enemy who is holding the harvest hostage. Another place that Jesus talks about the harvest is where we can identify where the harvest is. In fact, that's John chapter 4. Jesus just encountered the Samaritan woman at the well. And if you're not familiar with that story, Jesus was sitting down right beside a well. He told his disciples to go get some food. And then this woman who came up was a Samaritan. And Samaritans and Jews don't play along. And they're not supposed to talk to each other. And also, she was pretty much considered an outcast in her own city. And Jesus was talking to this one woman. And as he was talking to her, she recognized that, that there was a, a need that she had. And she ran back, as the disciples were showing back up, she ran back to the city to say, hey, let me tell you about this Jesus. He told me everything that I've ever done, but not in, a, not in a condemning way of saying that he still talked to me and he still showed me love. He still offered me something that I thought was unachievable. When the disciples came up, um, I, I feel like it's almost like a dumb and dumber moment. It's like, hey, um, we got you food. And Jesus is over there starting in uh, four Verses 32, 38, he says this. He says to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. His disciples say to, to each other, could someone have brought him food? Like, where did he get this food from? Was he sneaking in a sandwich from somewhere? 
My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it is still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. The original Greek actually portrays it as if it is a harvest that is so ripe, the tops are white, and it's like a sea of white that just moves with the winds. That's the imagery that Jesus is saying in this moment. And in verse 36, even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So first, that word sent is different from the one before. That word means to send out with a mission or objective. This is evidence that God will never haphazardly place you somewhere. It means wherever you are, God has placed you there because you are equipped to fulfill that mission. It also shows that if God has sent you somewhere, it's fulfilling work. You'll feel fulfilled walking in the purpose God has given you. The important part is to ask God to open your eyes to the harvest around you. It's not far, and the harvest isn't for later. The seeds are planted, and the harvest is ripe. Now we get to see God do amazing things around us. One of the most popular scriptures in the Bible is known as the Great Commission, right? We see it in Matthew 28, but that's not the only place that the Great Commission shows up. In fact, Luke writes in his second book, Acts, in the first chapter, his version of the Great Commission that says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this, just like John 4, answers the where that the harvest is. Jesus was saying locally, regionally, then internationally. But for us, it would be like saying first to Dothan, then to Alabama, then to the rest of the world. So check it out. Jesus said, go to the local places first. And it's important to support missionaries and missions abroad all around the world because they were sent there with purpose. But for the majority of the church, this means that our focus should be, the, be here and the ones around us who need to be loved by Jesus. So we covered what it means to be sent, where we have been sent. But this begs the question, what do I do with my hands? What do I actually do if I know that there is a harvest? So first thing that you need to recognize is that you are not alone, and you are not doing this in your own power. If you feel like you are being sent or forcefully thrown into or sent with purpose to a place, or maybe your eyes are opened and where you are right now, whether it be school, ministry, even at home or the workplace, wherever you are, you feel like that there is a harvest ripe for the taking. One thing you need to realize, it's not in your power. And there's so many places all throughout Scripture that says that God is with you, the Holy Spirit is with you. Like 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Or even if we go Old Testament and we can go, um, uh, let's see, Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous. Um, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Um, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged because the Lord is with you wherever you go. You're not alone in this. And it's not by your power that people are saved. And that's something super important to remember. And also remember as well that you, there's no lone wolves here in the kingdom of God. Um, God will never send you a place that you don't have the support of the local church, which is one reason why you have grace teams here. Cough, cough, wink, wink. So much scripture points that none of this is by our power, but of the Holy Spirit's. To keep things sim simple, 
Let's look at the scripture that we've already covered. Matthew 9 says the Lord is the one sending you. John 4 says Jesus is sending you a place where the work has already been done. Acts 1.8 says you'll have the Holy Spirit. In fact, if we do look at Matthew 28, where we see the Great Commission, where it's often said, it, uh, it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Two important things right there. The authority comes from Jesus. And the other thing is that he is with you always. In Acts 1.8, the other version that says, when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, that's when you go. In other words, God is not sending you anywhere he won't be. Next, we pray for God to reveal the harvest. Where has God put you that needs his gospel, that needs his grace and his love? It's easy to forget that we represent Christ wherever we go. A common prayer can be, God, where is the harvest ripe? Where are you sending me? Where in Dothan can I labor for the harvest? Lastly, wherever we are, we show the miraculous love of God. A friend of mine, Matt, is somebody who just recently came back to church, and he struggled with the church often with a lot of different things that he was involved with. Like, he, he worked with a lot of the staff, or he was on staff at a lot of churches, and he just got burnt out. And we were talking about why. Why did he get burnt out? Why did he leave the church? And why is he ready to come back? And we, we talked about some things that we believe that the church can do that isn't really what God has called us to do. And so when we simplified it, what do we actually do to be able to share the gospel? How do we go to the harvest? Um, we actually talked about it in this way. We called it the Jesus model. Like you saw the bands like a long time ago. It was WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? Um, now it's HWLF, He Would Love First. I think that scratches the surface a little bit. But I want you to imagine exactly what the Samaritan woman felt in John 4. Jesus offered a new way of life to a Samaritan woman who felt stuck where she was. He looked past her failures, did not ignore them. He looked past them and saw a woman who needed a Savior and Lord. Remember, it did not remember that he ignored the sin, but that he spoke the truth in love, which is what we're able to do, just like what it says in Ephesians 4.15, where it says, instead, we get to speak the truth in love. But Jesus didn't show people that, didn't just show people that he loved them, right? That's important. So, so many people, that is a miracle in and of itself, to love people who feel unlovable. But sometimes showing somebody that they loved may be miraculous enough. We shouldn't ignore that we have also been given spiritual gifts to advance God's kingdom in the same way Jesus used miracles to display God's love and power. This is why grace teams and community groups are so important. It allows you to operate in the gifts God has given you as one uniformed body to go where that harvest is. And lastly, I don't want us to forget the command. Um, and I'm about to wrap up if somebody wants to close up after me. And I'll leave this. We're going to look at Matthew 28 just one more time. He gave a specific instruction because sometimes we go out there and say, yes, we speak the truth in love. What do we actually do after people receive that love? Um, the thing that he says in Matthew 28, um, and let me go back to it myself. He says in verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. I feel like when I've looked at it and I looked at the, little tra uh, the literal translations, 
I feel like that we miss something sometimes because a lot of the, the focus is on the word go, but that's not actually what it says in the original Greek. It says, as you are going, disciple. The focus is not on the go because you're going anyway. The focus is to disciple. And we're not there just for a conversion moment. And I, I say we don't make converts, we make disciples. A convert is somebody who recognizes that Jesus is Savior. A, a disciple is someone who follows that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And as we get to be disciples, we get to invite others to do the same. So as I wrap up um, and as I close, uh, I, I, would, I don't know if you have somebody who will come up and close after me, um, but this is basically my challenge to you. Maybe you feel like you've been ignoring the harvest for too long. Or maybe you feel like you've gotten, like me, have gotten comfortable within the church, and then you basically had parallel lives between what was happening at the church and what was needed outside. Or maybe all this to you is just brand new, and you need someone just to parse it out with and say, you know, all this love, all these things that Jesus is telling others, I need that too. You have a full room of fellow believers who love you and are here to pray with you. And I encourage you, do not leave unless, until you get prayed for so that we can work together, be better together, and move as one body of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to glorify you, both by having fun and also by learning more about what your desire is for this church. Lord, we want to operate in your harvest. We want you to send us out to follow us don't let us get comfortable within the church. Lord, send us out and be the church. Send us out and evangelize or share the gospel and share your miraculous love. God, if there's anything that I said today that is not of you, I ask you to wipe it away from our memories, God, that the only thing we remember are the things that you have said. But Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the opportunity to glorify you and worship you. And I cannot wait to see what you do next. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank uh, Mike for that message. As y'all y'all know, we we are a church that is on mission. That's that's a big focus of ours. And I I like what he said about as you are going. So it's it's who you run into. It's not a force. Get out there and do it. It's as you're as you are moving forward. As you meet people. As you interact as you have relationships make disciples uh, offer them an opportunity because that's what it is that's what Christ does for us he offers us an opportunity uh, to join him in this wonderful life and wonderful mission that he has planned for us so as we get ready to close we did talk about uh, we did talk about the Ukraine and this is this is huge uh, you know I think America needs to be, again, a shining light, uh, a shining light to people about freedom, about who God is, about um, uh, the opportunities of life and, and prayer and freedom that comes with a life in Christ. So I'm going to let Dave pray, pray for us this morning, and he will actually close us out. And thank you. Yeah, we just want to take this time and just... Uh pray for Ukraine real quick. Father, uh, 
we just want to lift up our brothers and sisters uh, who are caught up in this conflict, uh, the innocent that are caught up in this conflict, God. Um, we know that war, death, destruction, division, these are, these are weapons of the enemy, and he uses them to, to cause division and chaos. But God, you are a, a strong tower that we can run to in times of trouble, God. Holy Spirit, you are, are not restricted by circumstances. You are not restricted by location, whether it be in, in a uh, quiet room with a few believers or on the battlefield. God, we are just praying that uh, you will move miraculously in all of this. God, we are praying for, for protection uh, especially for the innocent that are, that are involved in this conflict, that uh, missiles or, or bombs that are, are, are heading towards uh, places that, that there are innocent lives that you will divert or, or uh, you know, just make, make duds <laughs> appear on missiles that, that, you know, lives will be, be spared in this, God. God, we just want to lift up uh, the leaders our, 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 our nation's leadership and, and leadership uh, around the world, uh, we just pray that you will, will, will speak to these leaders and what, what uh, the nation's response should be in all of this, God. We pray for a quick resolution in this war. Um, God, we know that Satan, he loves, he loves division because when we are divided, we are not effective. I just want to pray for, for unity uh, in your church. I, I love that that was the word for this morning, unity. God, we pray for unity in the church, the global church, God. Because this, this is, our response should be spiritual warfare because our enemy is not of flesh and blood. It is of uh, the principalities and the rulers of darkness in this world. I pray that the church's response will be spiritual warfare and as Smitty was, was talking about this morning, that uh, it'll start uh, just around us in our local area, that we will we'll see revival in our area, and that will be reflected all across the world. We will see a global revival that we haven't seen in the history of the church, God. We pray that, that, uh, that lives will come to, uh, to be saved, to know you, and that the, the church will grow and your kingdom advances, God. We thank you because you are good. You're good despite the circumstances. They don't define your goodness. You're good because that is who you are, God. We love you. We thank you for, for uh, your continual grace and love that you pour out into us each and every day. Again, we just lift up our brothers and sisters that are, that are caught up in this conflict, God. We pray for protection. We pray for uh, wisdom and guidance, God. In your name I pray, amen. So if y'all need prayer this morning, we're, we'll be available to you online. If you just uh, contact us or through the website, that you need prayer, we're happy to do that. We'd love to do that. Y'all are dismissed. Have, have a wonderful week.